Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. We're back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That. And I have a newer friend with me. We're getting to know each other. Hi, Gary. Gary Bird is here. Thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be on your podcast. And it was great having you on our podcast as well. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. And so that's why I was like, ooh, you got to come on mine. Um, So Gary is the founder and managing partner, is that correct, of SMC National, which is a marketing company. And I don't think he realizes what he did, but he basically said, you can ask me anything about marketing. You can ask me anything, open book. And listeners, you know, I I like to ask a lot of questions. So I think he may have an idea of what I'm going to ask, but you know what? I'm going to keep it kind of fun right now. So, So Gary, we have this on video. And this is one of my first podcasts that I've done with video. So people are going to see, yeah, look at that. See, we're celebrating a little bit. I got to work on my background, but it is what it is. Um, So if you're listening to this on audio, Gary has this like really cool background and I'm just like sitting in a couch. So (laughs) (laughs) things are different. But so how are you utilizing video in your marketing, in your clients marketing? Because that seems to be the big thing nowadays is getting yourself out there. Is that a central part of what you believe in marketing? Well, just like everything in marketing and just like the same answer, it depends, right? Like there's always, (laughs) it's always nuanced, right? But I can give you some broad examples where if you're not using marketing, it's going to cost you anywhere from 30 to 80% more uh, to acquire a patient. And the main areas is in the larger treatments. So the bigger the treatments you go up, the more video becomes more important. And the reason for that is if I'm coming in to get my teeth cleaned, I don't need to see a video. Like I just don't like it's how much does it cost? I'm going to read your Google reviews and how soon can you get me in and how close is it to my house? Those are the four main things that you have to check the boxes on for me to come in and get my teeth cleaned. And the reason for that is because pretty much everybody knows how it works the cost is relatively low and it's pretty straightforward on the flip side of that. Now going to the opposite end of the spectrum on dental and let's talk about full arch. If you're doing full arch and we just did a whole event called the full arch advantage. We had 156 clinicians there. We talked about how to create, convert and close more full arch cases. So offices can grow. And one of the subjects on this that we actually did was what happens when you use really high end videos versus not And we've measured it. So we've gone out there and used just text ads versus stock videos where, you Mm -hmm. know, an actor's using them and every, you know, other people have used them before and you kind of, kind of make a stock video versus high end, the doctor and your team are doing the videos and it greatly lowers your costs. Like the cost to acquire that customer and your cost per start will factually go down if you're using good video assets versus not using video assets. So in another example, let me give you a different example where trust and videos can really help you is like, if you're pedo, if you're pedo and you're dealing with moms, they want to trust you because it's not just them coming in for a hygiene appointment. It's them bringing their babies to you, right? So there's different areas where video is like a necessity. And there's other areas where it's going to be negligible on driving down your costs. But it could, I'm thinking now, like, if you did interject, let's say the hygiene appointment, right? So you you don't need a video to generate that new patient. But if you had a video where the doctors or the hygienists are introducing themselves after the patient schedules, that's a great way to build trust. So think of it more as how much does the patient need to trust you to schedule the appointment? And then how much trust do you want to build before they come into the office? And the more trust that you have there, the more treatment they're going to accept when that opportunity comes up. And that's that's kind of how we think through it from a spectrum. So not an exact answer, but kind of give you some specifics sure. there to work off of. Well, I like the fact that, that you brought up the, the pedo side, because what I have found working with pedo practice in my old consulting career is that the patients, the moms would actually show video of the offices to the kids to almost like make them feel 
better? Or don't you want to go see this? Or, oh, look at this cool reception area where they've got little games and stuff. And so I could see that. I mean, I can't really show that to my dad and be like, hey, they do really cool implants here. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it is all in the video scripting, right? So it sounds like you've kind of got that worked up. But I've always wondered this because I definitely have met some very outgoing doctors and teams who are great on video, but what do you do with the ones that aren't? Because that is, I know doctors that are like, yeah, I want to do more social media. I know I'm supposed to put pictures of my family and all that, but I'm not comfortable. I don't like that. Or some just have got that, you know, resting, you know, <laughs> face. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dennis, <laughs> it's just not Dennis, a good look, not, right? <laughs> Dennis are not known for their outgoing personalities in general. That's not to say that there aren't <laughs> dentists out there that have really outgoing personalities and are great on social media. So social media and marketing assets are a little bit different. So mm -hmm. video assets for marketing are like really specific questions that we're answering. So what we do is we, we've gone through and we've documented all the questions that the patient has prior to showing up to the office and we go and answer those. So we can just film a doctor talking about those things and then we can go mm -hmm. in and edit it and chop it and make it, make it, make it pretty, so to speak. And if the doctor's just like so backwards that they can't even talk, then we would use like a treatment coordinator, or somebody else in the office that does the talking for them. Because more than likely, if they're that backwards uh, from a social standpoint, they probably have somebody else talking for them in the chair and, and presenting the treatment and those kind of things. So then we would just use that person, right? Now, when yeah. it comes to social media, that's a totally different beast. And we actually had somebody presenting at our last event a friend of mine, and he does a great job. And what he does is he actually flies into these offices every single month and he gets the doctor and the team to record content and then post it for you online. That is a totally different muscle because the marketing assets, mm -hmm. you film once, you use them for a couple mm -hmm. years, and then you film them again. With, with social media, it's every single day, every single week. Yeah. And so... I really recommend either outsourcing that to somebody who's really good at that or allowing someone in your office to take care of that. And those are those are great for helping your marketing improve overall. I think of it as like social proof. And so, mm -hmm. you know, before you go to a restaurant, what do you do? You go look at their Google reviews and then you want to look at pictures and you want to kind of know, okay, what kind of food is this restaurant known for? And right. it's no different for a dental office. If I'm thinking about going into a dental office, if you show me pictures of your team, show me videos and reviews, then you're more likely to come to that office. Now, again, mm -hmm. for GP, it's less needed. You're still going to get the, you can do it or not do it. And you're going to get similar results from a marketing perspective. But for the bigger the treatment you go up in and like uh, aligners or you go up into implants and full arch, then it becomes much more necessary and it does drive down your cost the more trust you can build prior to the patient calling you so let me ask you then let's dig in a little bit deeper on this because i think when you you know my audience is mostly office managers and newer dentists who are starting to lead their practices and what i typically hear from them is yeah i know i need to spend some money on marketing and what i have noticed is that when they say marketing they really mean posting on social media Maybe they'll talk about doing like a flyer or some postcards or something like that. But in my experience, marketing is totally different because we should be looking at it as other companies look at marketing. So I probably am preaching to the choir with you, but I think the audience members, we don't talk about marketing unless like my good friend Rita Zamora comes on, you know, we'll talk about that. But what happens is we don't talk about funnels. We don't talk about certain landing pages. We don't talk about a whole strategy. We kind of think if we're just on Instagram and Facebook, that's enough. And maybe we'll run a Facebook ad every now and then. But that, like you said, that really is more social proof, right? Like that's just more that, yes, we exist. We're not a scam. Our offices are open. But what you're talking about and what I think our industry needs to have more of is this actual strategy. And it comes into play more. So listeners, why I'm so passionate about this and why I knew Gary would be great on this podcast is that so many of you are thinking about phasing out of insurance, right? And you're looking at bringing on these larger ticket items or boutique or just, you know, insurance free that you don't have to worry about it, you know, sleep and aligners, like you were saying, and full, full arch for crying out loud. That's a whole marketing strategy there. So listeners, when I say marketing to you in classes, I'm not just talking about hiring a social media manager and getting on Canva and all of that. I'm talking about having like a whole game plan that sometimes is multi-year. And so 
is there a, a disconnect when you're talking to potential clients? Because what is their thought of what marketing is and how do you get them to more of like where I'm starting to realize we need to do things differently? Such a good question. Like this is like exactly the conversation that we should be having in the dental industry. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to give some people some frameworks to help them work through this. And whether they work with us or work with someone else, this will help you get to the end result that you want. So first of all, there's branding and there's lead gen. Those are two different things. Okay. Lead gen is so, lead generation. For lead generation. Don't yes. Yep. Lead generation. Generating, mm -hmm. generating new patients. Uh, lead generation for new patients. Okay. So let's, and these are traditional marketing terms that I'm using. So the dental industry doesn't think or talk this way, but it'll help us for this conversation. So branding is awareness. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get eyeballs and you're trying to affect hearts. Okay. Lead generation or creating new patients to come in. That is a different process. And here's the cool part about lead generation and why dentists love it so much. You can actually track every step of the process. And at the end, you can track your ROI, return on investment. I put $1 in, it put $10 back out, right? Branding, you cannot track. All you can do is see how many people saw it. So when you say, hey, I have a video that has a million views on it, you go, yay. Well, what did that video do for you? I don't know. I got a million views, right? So I do, let me use myself as an example. I film all kinds of content every week that has nothing to do with dental. And I'm just filming it because it's interesting to me and it gets eyeballs. And then people go, oh, who's this guy? And then people in the dental industry go there and go, oh, this guy knows how to make videos and he knows how to talk to people. And it's just branding, that's it. If my finance team came to me and said, hey Gary, what's the ROI of these? I would say, no clue. I can't measure that. I can only measure eyeballs. Right. On the flip side, we host events. And at those events, people walk up to our booth and they sign up for a demo of our product and that's measurable. We can actually see that. So we can say, we spent $10,000 on this event to speak at it and we got 10 demos from it. Mm -hmm. And so now we know our cost per demo is $1,000 from that event and it's all measurable and we can see every step of it. So what we do for companies, we productized our service. What that means is, is we've made our service super simple to understand. What we do, let's pretend you, Teresa, you're a dentist office and you come to us and you say, hey, Gary, we want more new patients. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, okay, how many new patients do you want? And everybody always says, oh, a million. We could see all of them. And I go, okay, great. How many, how many could you actually see though? And most dentists have a disconnect here. They don't yeah. understand that there's actually not as much bandwidth to see new yes. patients as they actually want. So everybody yes, always says a million. Yes. And then I go, okay, well, when's your next hygiene appointment? Oh, yeah. we're two months out. Well, guess what? Marketing is not the answer there. It's not. Mm -hmm. You have to open bandwidth on hygiene or attract a different kind of patient. So what's mm -hmm. another kind of patient that a GP office can see? If it's not hygiene, well, it's emergencies is the next step down. Yeah. Dentists might be wondering, well, why? Well, because they don't come in the hygiene schedule, they come in on the right. doctor schedule and the right. doctor schedule is usually more open than the hygiene schedule right now for most offices. So then you're going to say, well, what's the pros and cons? Well, hygiene patients are great because they're recurring. They come back. So eventually you're going to get all the treatment from them and their family usually where dental emergency patients are the reason they're coming in is because of an emergency and they're mm -hmm. either from another dental office they couldn't get in quick enough to or they didn't listen to the last dentist that they went to and now they're right. in a bad spot and now they're talking to you. They're, they right. don't have dental insurance usually and they're just like, get me out of pain. So those are great for instant treatment like that day, mm -hmm. which drives up your numbers and it's great for ROI, but it's short term. They're usually not going to get back into your practice with the hygiene, all those kind of things because they're uninsured, all that kind of stuff, right? Sure, and you can get sure. a membership plan to try to increase that, but they're different than hygiene patients. Mm -hmm. The next level down, if you said, well, I don't want those kind of patients. Okay, then the next level down is clear aligners. And what's the pros and cons of clear aligners? Clear aligners are awesome because very little doctor time, yes, mainly assistant time, and you're gonna charge about 5,000 bucks now, mm -hmm. the downside of them, your lab costs are going to be pretty high on those. Typically, for, unless you're doing a lot of them, you're right. going to pay $1,800, bucks for, for that for that lab cost. So that means you're really only making about $3,000 off of that. 
and typically these patients, again, they're not going to stay with you typically, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just giving you overall examples. Sometimes they can. The other bad part about that is that you're paying that up front for the lab costs, which is unbelievable to me. I mean, I know like crown lab costs and all that, but aligner lab costs are out of control in my very humble opinion. So, oh, yeah, ahead. you're paying for a piece of plastic and they have machines do it for Invisalign and those kind of things. So it's like that, those costs are coming down, though, and they'll continue to come down. There's a lot more competition, which is good. So good. then the next the next kind of if you say, well, I don't want to deal with clear liner patients or I have enough clear liners, I want something else. Then you mm-hmm. move to implants. Yeah. And then you move into full arch. And those are much more complicated because it's not just more complicated clinically. It's more complicated scheduling answering their questions, financing. If you don't have a treatment coordinator that knows how to sell a car, because that's the price of them, it gets more complicated. But that's it. Like you have to pick a road. And if you said, well, I don't want to do those either, then I'm going to circle back and say, then hire another hygienist, which you're going to say that's expensive and hard to find. So Uh, those are the basic roads to growth for a GP office. Well, and there's sleep, which is, I think people latch onto it just because the marketing is there, but it's very long. It's a long, arduous process to get to the point where you're very good at sleep. You have to have partnerships and you have to be really confident in what you're doing because litigiously for crying out loud. So the other side of it is hygienists. I'm not as in love with the hygiene patient as I used to be. So I used to be like, yeah, let's pre-appoint everybody. And now I'm looking at schedules. People are calling me and saying, let's let's brainstorm. How do we fix this? And I'm looking at their schedules and it's the same people every six months, the same healthy people every six months taking up room in the schedule, which sounds heartless, but I'm just getting to this point now where if you are not going to be able to find a hygienist, what can you do, right? So what is the other option? And then of course, there's the thing I always get asked about is, well, maybe I should trim some plans. I'm like, yeah, maybe you should. Let's talk about that. And and that is, that's the scary part. And the whole, what you were saying about ROI, not being able to track ROI for branding, when you say to your team, when they say, what's your ROI on that? And you're like, I don't know, I, I think it's working. For a doctor to invest in marketing with no ROI is almost just, you know, I mean, when I'm asking them to hire another admin person, they're like, well, it's just an expense. I'm like, no, it's it's not an expense. You will be recovering revenue. You're finding yeah. revenue. So it, it, there's a big disconnect there. I don't mean to bash doctors. I, I think I'm trying to just, the ones that are not, not looking at it the way we're talking about it. I think it's a real hard road to get there. And I think when the light bulb hits, you know, when that switch is flipped, I think it's very easy, but it's hard yeah. to get them to that point. It is. And and this is what I do for a living, right? So yeah. back to the example, I was kind of midstream on it. So it's like, yeah, okay, sorry so, about that. <laughs> no, 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 it was me. I I'm, I'm ADHD rabbit trail. So, so, okay. You're a doctor's office and I'm going to say how many new patients and then what's yeah. your operational bandwidth is my second question of whatever kind of patients that you want. And then from there is your team trained mm. to get these kinds of patients if not, then we need to train them. And then lastly, what is the competition and what's the supply versus the demand? And and then that's going to allow us to give you a cost. So then we start at the end of the cost. So it's, and here's how we break down the cost. If you say, well, I want 20 more hygiene patients for this new doctor that we're hiring, we're hiring an associate and I need at least most, actually, let's use another example. You usually it's like 40 new patients. Mm-hmm. So I need 40 new patients for this new associate coming on. Got to keep them fed to keep them happy and to keep the office growing. What's my cost going to be on that 40 new patients? Well, we're going to, again, we're going to look at your operational bandwidth. So how good can your team convert these opportunities and then we're going to look at the competition in the area and then how much demand, how many people are searching for it. And then we're going to be able to give you a cost per acquisition ballpark mm-hmm. on that patient. So it's going to, let's just use a round number, it's 200 bucks cost per acquisition in your area based on those outcomes. And then you say, well, I want 40 of those. 40 times 200 is $8,000. <laughs> so your marketing right. budget's going to be $8,000. Mm-hmm. You're going to get 40 hygiene patients. You have the room in your schedule to support that. We're going to put them onto the doctor schedule. And then then we're going to look at what is your average case acceptance of these kinds of new patients that you've had over the last two years or three years or whatever. And let's, I'm just, again, just going to use a round number. Let's say it's a thousand bucks. So if you get 40 in and half of them accept some kind of treatment, you should be able to get $20,000 from those based on your history. $20,000 mm-hmm. worth of treatment, 
you're going to spend eight eight thousand. That's a that's a two point five to one ROI or whatever it is. Um, and is that worth it? And sometimes it's not bad. Yeah, it's not it's not bad, but sometimes it bad. is. Sometimes the answer is like, I have to do this. Let's go. And sometimes <laughs> it's no, it's not worth it. And I have to fix things in my office first before I start. So yeah. if your average conversion rate's fifty percent, guess what? Fix that. And we come mm -hmm. in and we we do coaching for this kind of stuff, but it's not. We don't co coaching isn't our service. Our right. ser our service is producing new patients, and then we find with data where you're breaking in the funnel. Is maybe you're not answering the phone. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not when you do answer the phone, you stink at it. Maybe when you <laughs> maybe when you schedule people, you schedule them too far out, and they're going to no show because you're putting them two weeks out. Maybe uh, you're scheduling people and they're showing up, but no one knows how to present treatment. Or maybe right. you have a doctor that's over treating, or maybe you have a doctor that's under treating. Yeah. yeah, all these things can fall apart, and they're invisible to most dental practices. All those things I just said are invisible. Mm -hmm. We track all that, and then we and and here's the reason why it's very selfish. I don't want to fail. Oh, I want to sure. win, and so sure. now I need to understand where you're breaking in your marketing funnel. And then we come in and we start helping repair, bridge those things or connecting with people like yourself to help fix those things in the office. So I'm pretty sure that there are some people listening, uh, managers, owners who are just kind of going ah, big sigh because, and I see this, you know, when I'm talking with them where I say, if we could do this, this and this, and then they go, well, I, my team isn't, I don't have the team for that. Well, when do you think you're going to be able to change the team? I don't know. I mean, that's whole indicative of another conversation. I don't teach leadership. It's not my jam. Um, somebody else can do it, but that really is, is the rub because you're right. If I try to implement anything, it's not going to work. And same for you. You don't want to get a bad rap. And it's really because of somebody's either not ready or they're non-compliant. That's really why coaches, if they have a clunker on their hands, if they're a good coach, I should say, um, a lot of times it's because either the team wasn't ready or um, they're just, they weren't listening at all. And we're going to sabotage it anyways, which is an unfortunate reality in the coaching world. So with this whole conversation about what about the team? What about the team? Have you ever had a client that started and then had to say, whoa, we need to stop. Things are falling apart. I mean, there's turnover, all of that. What do you do in that situation? Have you, how have you handled that? Yeah, I mean it happens all the time. There's so so I have this thing called the patient journey funnel barriers. And so what we've done is we've mm -hmm. documented every step of the patient journey and then we put in all the things that get in the way of that patient coming into the office. So I usually ask people like how many things do you think can stop a patient from coming in and people I do this at conferences and they people say 5, 10, 20. There's over 100 different things that can go wrong. And underneath <laughs> all of those hundred, there's another five to 20 things. So there's literally hundreds and hundreds of things that can go wrong at every step of the patient journey. And mm -hmm. most of it, I would say 70% of it is invisible to dental offices, meaning they don't even know that it exists or it's a potential problem. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, if you, this happens all the time with online schedulers, online schedulers are great until they don't work. And so what happens is they break all the time and it's usually not the online scheduler's fault. This is the tricky part. It's usually the practice management software that mm -hmm. glitches out and does something weird and causes the online scheduler not to work and sync anymore. And guess what the online scheduler says? It says, sorry, we don't have any available appointments at this time. So you can have marketing driving to this site, whether people yeah. online schedule or not, they always go look at it. And so they pull it up and they have no appointments and guess where they go? They go to the, next, the next dental office. Next one. Yep. And I've yep. seen this sit this way for weeks on people's sites and they go, our marketing's not working. And we have this on our, one of our checklists. Okay, let's go look. Oh, your online scheduler broke. Oh, okay. So that's just an example of a software breaking, but people mm -hmm. break too inside of practices. So uh, a person, I've learned this the hard way. I can train somebody on the phones perfect scripting. They should convert 90% of their marketing new patients. But if you don't have a KPI that you're checking on a regular basis and rewarding or, or at least encouraging to, Hey, this is the baseline that you need to hit and holding them accountable to that. Everybody reverts back to their old ways and their old ways are you, the average person converts around 50% on the phone for a marketing lead. If you just leave them to their own devices 
And so what happens is, is you can train them up to here, but they'll just yeah. go right back down to here if you don't have solid data. And again, right. most of this stuff doesn't have solid data on it. So when something breaks, we have a checklist that we just work through and we just go, okay, let's go check every single thing. And it's a long checklist. And then until we find it and then we go, oh, okay, this is what the problem is. These are the changes we need to make. So the agitation that you saw earlier was because when you were talking about software breaking, like it's one of the biggest frustrations that I have and that I hear from people is we just, we want to use this product. It's fantastic, but now we got to see about it integrating. And then you have companies that are building logins, which go against contracts. And honestly, I feel like, what do you want us to do, big software? I mean, what do you want us to do? Here's something that your clients want and you don't offer it. So why why are you making it so difficult? It gets very, very frustrating because when you have an office that's driven to do good marketing to, and same thing with like clearing houses, they want to do the right thing. They want to do it faster, smarter, but then you have this big clunky software that doesn't let it happen. And so I'm glad that the software market is shifting and, you know, I'm, friends with almost all of them. I'm glad it's shifting and I'm glad it's getting more competitive because that's, that is the problem. If you don't have a lot of good players, it's the same old thing over and over again. So that's my high horse on software integrations. Are you having to deal with software integrations too? Do you, cause you're software, right? Like, so you're probably, you're just smiling. He's like, yeah, Teresa, I don't want to, I don't, I shouldn't say anything, but no, it's, it's, <laughs> we can talk about it if you want. I'm just going to rant. Yeah. On I get how... really, I don't think a lot of people realize Gary that the back end of the software that they use with others, you, there's a lot of finger pointing. You call the big software and they go, no, no, it's your integration. The integration's like, no, it's not us. I, I don't think people realize how difficult that back end is. I mean, if you want to just shine a quick light on it, I'd, I'd love it. The dental, the dental industry is basically built like on the back of everything that we're used to with practice management softwares. It's basically stuck in like the nineties. And so anytime yeah. that you go, you can have the most amazing piece of technology in the world, I could have this widget that's going to solve all of your problems as a dentist. And then I go to the practice management softwares and they, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are very resistant to sharing information or they just don't care. It doesn't help them. So they're like, whatever. And then some of now what we're having is there's a lot of cloud-based PMSs that solve, mm -hmm. theoretically should solve a lot of this. But the problem is, is a lot of them now, what they're doing is they're building all-in-one solutions. So they're like, we'll do everything, and which sounds cool. It's like, oh, finally, somebody that does everything. But as you know, and I know, no one in the world does everything good. Like there's, right. if you're good at marketing, you're probably not that great at the clinical stuff. And if you're good at the clinical stuff, you're probably not great at the marketing or the ops or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And so mm -hmm. you can't be good at everything. So a little story just to help people understand this. When Apple first came out with iPhone, they tried to do all in one and build all their own apps. But guess what happened? It wasn't sufficient. It didn't even come close to touching the amount of things that we needed to make our phone useful. Yeah. And so what happened is, is they had to open the app store to all these third parties. And when the third party started coming in, then all of a sudden our phone got really, really compelling because you have Zillow on there. I got Google Maps now. Yeah. I got all these different uh, softwares that I can use. And it's all, it made it so dynamic and it's an open platform. And we don't have that in dental. What we have is, is a lot of people are like, well, we'll let you use our software and access this for this egregious fee. Yes, and then it makes yes. the software not worth it anymore. And then the dentists don't want to buy it. And they're like, it's too expensive, which it is. But it's because we don't have this way to play ball where everybody makes money and everybody wins. Yeah. So it's just this vicious cycle. And then when somebody's really good at developing software and they, they see dental, they go, whoa, this is like back in the Stone Age. I could really come in yeah. and make a difference when they figure out, oh, this is why nobody's here. They leave. So it leaves right. us with not the brightest and the best. They're out working on other things that are more exciting and more accessible. So it's just it's yes. like this vicious cycle. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm so passionate about this because I think we could be further along in our software the programming, the abilities, all of that, even medical suffers from this too, because they have the same access problems with some of the legacy software. I am just stunned when I see these fantastic products and then, yeah, you're right. They're like, oh, well, I could do this in dentistry. And I can't tell you how many calls I've been on with new companies, startups that are like, why isn't anybody else in this space? And I'm going, eh, just wait a little bit. You got how many more meetings left? You'll figure it out. Yeah. You know. And the other side of that is, when I'm talking to managers, I mean, Adam's a good ex good example of this. When I go to Adam, I'm always people ask me all the time, "Who should I go see? Who should I go see?" Because 
I know most of the vendors there, right? So I always say, go here, go here, go here. And then the one thing they always ask me is, well, does it integrate back into my software? And I'm at the point now where I'm like, who cares if it integrates back into your software? Because this is amazing, can make your job like amazing and fun to do again. And you're worried if it's going to push data back into your software. Yeah, that's going to take a couple extra steps, but look at the benefits on that. I mean, would yeah. it be nice? Sure. But you're worried about this one thing. And anyway, here's another software that's going to be like, wow, I love dentistry again. Let's get going on it. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's a very small window that they're looking in. So well, let me, let me, yeah. let me play devil's advocate on the flip side of that right now sure. that I'm seeing. And I don't disagree with you. I would still get the software, whether it integrated or not, if it's going to mm -hmm. be revolutionary. However, how many softwares is it possible for your team to possibly log into? So right now, if you're logging into the SMC marketing app, you're also logging into Patient Prism to look at their data. You're also logging into right. Simplify to look at the chats. You're also logging into et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. It becomes impossible to manage. And that's where dental yeah. is right now is everybody has a dashboard. Everybody has an app, which is awesome. We didn't have that 10 years ago, but you can't, your team cannot possibly log into all of them. It's not possible. And so how do you fix that? I think it's ebbing and flowing, though. I think in our industry, for sure, you have this thing where the, the trend is all in one. Nobody wants to pay lots of subscription models. We saw that with COVID. All of a sudden, everybody's looking like, why am I paying so many subscriptions? And, so, yeah. and then this all in one came into play. Well, then now you have people that are like, well, I pay this one subscription fee, but I don't get this. And look, this company over here is offering this and I can't have it because it's nice and shiny, but it's an extra model and extra $200 a month. And my doctor doesn't want to pay it. But before COVID, you would have paid it and you would have been fine. As a manager, I don't have a problem with a ton of different signups. I don't like having a lot of logins, but you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I have, there's nothing for me that's a single sign on. I mean, Gary, you know, running your own business, I've got software in all sorts of places. There's no dental entrepreneur software. Yeah, <laughs> so but, I'm okay so, with that. So here's, here's why though. So I'm, I'm I'll, I'll, again, I don't disagree with you. You're hundred percent. No, right. no, this is good. I'm this playing, is good. Yeah. Playing the other side of the coin here. In dental, one of the biggest problems with dental is everybody works in their business, but almost mm. very few people work on the business. That's true. I'm an, I work on my business, so I can have all these softwares and all these different things that I need to log into. But if I was busy doing dentistry all day or, or, or cleaning teeth or answering mm -hmm. the phone or whatever it may be, I don't have time in between that. Like I have eight, nine hours of work every single day. And I know like the way I think about that is like, well, make time, schedule it. But then that <laughs> means you're not now answering yeah. the phone. You're not right. now seeing the new patient and now you're not hitting your, your numbers and then everything falls apart. So the dentist is notorious for this, where it's just like every single person in the office is working eight hours a day and anything that yeah. you throw on their plate just creates this massive other problem. And so the softwares that are, come next that are really going to impact dental offices are either going to be implemented at like the group or DSO level where people are actually working on the business, or mm -hmm. they're going to actually reduce the amount of time people have to spend taking care of patients in the office. That's my thoughts. I could be wrong mm. on that, but that's kind of my point of view. I'm wondering if there's like somebody who could invent this big dental launch button that goes on my desktop and I just click it once and it logs me into all my insurance portals. It logs me into my software, logs me into patient prism, care credit revenue, all yeah. of that, whatever. There's people working that, on that. So Tanner, I mean, Tanner Applegate yeah. is working on Unify to do something mm -hmm. similar to that. Tooth Apps is another one. I just got done talking to Dr. Brian Laskin. Brian, and he's yeah, cre Brian's creating great. this thing where it will give you access. It's not exactly the way you described it, but it's, it's moving in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is just aggregating data. So we're working on a CRM that you can actually see the whole patient journey start to finish at the front desk or in the marketing manager or whoever, and actually see where all of your patients are getting stuck in their patient journey. Uh, mm -hmm. And that way you wouldn't have to log into the PMS and look person by person. You can see it collectively, click on the part of the funnel where people are getting stuck and start making phone calls right away. So um, for people who are sort of newer to business and, and in, has been in dentistry and not really outside of dentistry, 
what Gary's talking about CRM is, is what salespeople, um, sales teams, big companies, that's how they track their clients. The journey through the software is different. In dentistry, we usually track our patients through the ledger. And that's how most of the software was built by, you know, let's come up with something to manage the bills. And then all of a sudden, all this patient chart was added on and all this other stuff. So it kind of clunked on there. But so when you tell a dentist, we have to look at it from the client acquisition, the client journey. That's different because first thing they're going to say is it's not a client, it's a patient. Okay, fine. Potato, potato. Let's yeah. let's just call it what it is. But yeah, we'll call it a PRM is, then. There you go. So So that's what you're talking about is tracking the patient through the practice and our practice management system, that's not what it's doing. And so I would love to see something like that. I mean, do you know of anybody that's like, I mean, you're working on that, but how close are you? Because I need to tell people about this when it's so we like, just whatever, launched it. Whatever. We just launched it at our event. So we we launched it, the waiting list for it. We're rolling it out for all of our clients. So all of our clients are just starting to get okay. it. And then uh, in the next couple of months, we should be open just for anybody to come in. And what it does, just from a simple term, um, think of it this way. If a patient reaches mm -hmm. out to an office right now, calls any office, and they don't schedule, yeah. they're not in the PMS. If they schedule and no-show, they're not in the PMS. And right. so there's this all these patient interactions that are happening pre-PMS that are not tracked. They're kept in a spreadsheet somewhere. They're in an email somewhere. They're on a phone voicemail right. somewhere. And the problem with that is, is that you cannot manage it, nor can you see when you are doing good or versus when you're doing bad. So what we've built is a patient relationship management tool that allows you to see the whole patient journey. So you can see everything from, hey, look at all these people who clicked on my ad. Look at all mm -hmm. these people who came to our website, look at all these people who then reached out to us somehow, whatever. And then you can see which channel they reached out. And then let's look at all of them that scheduled and then all of them that no showed and then all of them that did show, but didn't accept yeah. treatment. And then all of them that did show and did accept treatment, but didn't refer. And all of them that did show and scheduled treatment and did refer. And you can start <laughs> to segment all of this. Right. And then you can start to communicate on a one-on-one -on -one basis with anywhere in the funnel. So you can see it collectively and individually. And then you can start to build out how to communicate with those people and then begin the next phase. We're not here yet is building the marketing automations on that. So if there's right. a bunch of people who, let's say there's an office that everybody's stuck at just getting people scheduled and getting them to show up more than likely, it's either you're scheduling too far out or you don't, you're not saying the right things or you're not nurturing the right way. And at that point, what ends up happening is that you can create automations that will get those people to come in without your team having to do it. But you first have to find where the pitfalls are. Now, every office has right. different pitfalls. So that's what we're building. And, and then a front desk would still be able to see everything they would normally want to see in the PMS, meaning mm -hmm. they can still see what treatment was accepted or what was presented or what hangups were there or whatever. But at the same time, they can also see how did this patient interact with our website and our reviews yeah. and, and when was the last time I called them and when is it scheduled to call them back again? And they're not even in the PMS yet necessarily, uh, or maybe they are, right? Either way, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. nothing out there that bridges all that together. So that's what we have. So what you're really talking about, patient behavior, um, which is something that is is crucial for, for our teams to understand, you know, why do they behave this and what triggered them to go this direction versus that direction. And I know in marketing programs, you know, with my online course, I can tag people. I can set up automations to tag people if they click this or if they click that, right? So it sounds like that would be very similar to what you're talking about. And listeners, if you're unclear of this, wait until he rolls it out and, and take yeah. a demo. Well, let me, um, and let it's me funny because it you and I didn't even talk about this. We didn't even talk about this software before you no. came on. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So, so let me give you an example of our CRM that we use as a marketing company for our selfs works. So let's say Teresa mm -hmm. comes and she is a customer. She's a patient, right? And she goes to um, our website. We can set it up for when she lands on the Invisalign page. Mm -hmm. As an existing patient, sure, we can set up set it up to send her an email about Invisalign anytime she lands on that page, mm -hmm. and so we can say, "Oh, did you know that we have financing for Invisalign?" 
after she visits that page. So once you have this CRM set up, you can basically send any amount of information automated as that person's interacting with you online or by phone. You can say, hey, after somebody schedules, uh, if someone's brand new and they just got into our CRM, mm -hmm. we can then schedule it to when the appointment, the second the appointment scheduled, sending out emails and text messages and all these things that are automated afterwards. This is the big area that dental is missing is, is a lot of this. It's all manually done or it's managed across like five or six different softwares in different places in different ways. And someone yeah. has to be in there working each of them. And let's be honest, they're not pretty. They're very stock. They're very just generic. And I mean, even my office, I I love my office, obviously, but when I get the happy birthday, it's some girl I've never met before saying happy birthday. I don't know who that is. So <laughs> I really wish it was different and, and more personalized. And that's that's sort of why some of my messages, there's a little flavor of Teresa in it because they're not expecting some girl that they never met, you know, or, or even has even seen before. Now, can I pivot a little bit to mm -hmm. the, you mentioned, the thing is, I, I wanted to talk to you about the economy. and possibly this recession that we might be going into. And listeners, if you are able to, and I'll, I'll link it, um, if you're able to listen to the conversation that Gary and I had on his podcast, we did go into this a little bit and how um, you have to do things differently. You have to plan things differently when we have economic talk that is not the best. And so we have to be careful about it. What are you hearing from your clients? Are you hearing concern? Are you hearing you know, should I just pull back on my dollars right now? Or should I go full steam ahead and get going? What What are you hearing out there? Such a good question. Okay, so first, let's frame up why we're in the position that we're in. And before we even actually get to that, let's talk about how it used to be before COVID. So before COVID, <laughs> for yeah. most dental offices, all you had to do was hit a certain number of new patients, and all your other economics worked. And most dentists yes. knew this. So yes. the main KPI most dentists had was did we hit our 50 or 60 or 75 or 100 or 150, whatever the number was, new right. patients this month at this office? And if the answer was yes, if you check that box, they knew they were going to have a lot of money left over at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. That has changed. Why has that changed? Here's why. First of all, labor costs For gone sure. up through the roof. For sure. Cogs, cost of goods through right. the roof. Also, patients are feeling inflation. So they're coming less often mm -hmm. and they're, they're saying yes less often as well, which is not a thing that most people track. So they don't know that it's really happening, right? But they feel it. They can kind of feel that it's happening. They're just like, yeah, it doesn't feel like we're doing, getting quite as much people to say yes or they're not accepting as much treatment as they used to. So when you combine all of those things, oh, almost forgot, insurance is clamping yeah. down as well. <laughs> I was well. going to say, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So combine all those, mm -hmm. your outcomes are going to be, so you're hitting the new patient goal still, but you get to the end of the month in your negative, or you don't have that pot of money left over that you're used to having. So now I just got welcome to the world of business. This is what <laughs> most businesses have to go through yeah. and dental's just never experienced it before. And that's where we're at. So this means you have to get smarter about how you're approaching business. Well, how does this work? Mm -hmm. So if I was a dentist and this was hitting me, I would pivot instantly and say, okay, I can't change. Can I change the labor costs? No. Can I change my cost of goods? No. I have to get patients who want more treatment mm -hmm. and I have to move downstream. So this is where like full arch or clear aligners, you have to start doing some of these or your business model is going to fall apart. Or you change your fee schedule, which is what yes. a lot of doctors have decided to do. They've either increased their regular fees or they've gotten off of carriers who have very low fees. Now, for uh, newer business people, cost of goods sold, what he's talking about is your um, overhead, basically, like how much it costs for you to deliver dental treatment to your patients. And so that's something that we kind of called it this nebulous overhead. And it's overhead is much more than just that overhead, you know, like we just talked about salary costs, 
and you have rent, you have mortgage, all that kind of stuff. But when you take a look at how much it actually costs for you to deliver that procedure, and I'm not talking down to the how many desensitizers you put on the tray. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like how much does it cost for you to acquire the client and how much does it cost for the, you to service the client? And that's a very different metric than we really talked about ever before COVID. Um, whenever I would bring that up in class, I really couldn't call it cost of goods because it didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And then I would have to spend time and they only give me three hours to go over a ton of stuff. So, you know, in, in lecture. So I couldn't really get into it, but I've started to ease it in more when I go to my kind of higher functioning offices that are kind of ready for that conversation. If you're a new manager and you're hearing, oh my gosh, I have to have cost of goods. Don't freak out. You'll get there. Right now you got to focus on keeping your schedule full because that's what your doctor wants and listen to more of what Gary says about that. But cost of goods is something that I think in the next couple, the next little bit, that along with revenue cycle management, we have to start talking more and more about these terms because they're so critical. So yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So yeah, so when you have this whole combination of factors then, so what are they saying to you then with all of this? Well, people are just freaking, Your they dentist. just don't, yeah, dentists don't know to make heads or tails of it. All they know is at the end of the month, they're not making as much money and that single KPI <laughs> of just more new patients doesn't work or they don't have right. room on the schedule. So now what you, the solve is you have to figure out how to open up bandwidth for more new patients. Existing patients coming in is great. That's gonna keep paying the bills, so to speak, but you have to get bigger patients that are accepting more treatment or you have to get more mm -hmm. of the new patients in what you used to get just to get to the same place that you were at before. And I know what dentists are thinking, well, that's not fair and that's not right. But that's that's how inflation and all these things yeah. impact us. Like this is true for every business. Right. Think about a restaurant. When the cost of tomatoes goes through the roof, they have to then think through every I either have to get more customers because my margins have shrunk, mm -hmm. which means you have to hire more servers, you have to do everything, you do more, 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 or you have to figure out where to cut to make up that difference. Yeah. Now, if you're an older dentist who's gonna retire in the next year or two, maybe just cutting is the way to go. Maybe you just have to negotiate your rent, get, cut some costs there, things like that. Or if you're a younger dentist and you're like, hey, I got another 20 years of practicing left, that's not gonna fix it. So you have to figure mm -hmm. out how to get smarter. And again, working in these bigger kinds of treatment, let's just run the numbers really quick. You get one full arch case a week or one full arch case even a month, right. that's, $30,000, that changes your numbers at your office tremendously, but mm -hmm. it's not easy. You just don't flip a switch and do it. There's a lot of complications and there's a lot of cost to getting that kind of patient. So it's not That's simple. a whole conversation. That's because that it's patient a, is a different, that's a whole different beast. I, I created for the ICOI, I created their auxiliary implant training coordinator program way back when I first started. And one thing I had to hammer into people's heads is that even back then is that an implant patient is very different than a regular patient. It's a totally very different, different conversation. Different and when you, when you have for sure. Yeah, for sure. And much longer is, is what he's talking about. It's a longer um, buying cycle and you got to impact them quickly to keep them to come back to keep looking and checking you out. So it's a big impact in the beginning and then a long cycle. So one thing that I know that you're hearing with potential clients and clients is, okay, I want to get off of some insurance. What's the game plan? So have you created this whole get off insurance game plan? Because I'm sure that you're getting this all the time. No, I, I, I insurance is just a marketing tool. That's the way I look at insurance. I, I agree. I and, agree. And it, but are but they, very, are they coming to you to replace it? Oh yeah. 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 Yes. People come to replace <laughs> yeah. it. But my job is not to figure out if you should replace it or not. Um, that is, oh, a, no, no. I'm talking about yeah. when they make the decision because yeah. you basically have to tell them, to spend a ton of money on marketing because it needs to be done because they probably haven't had, they don't have a lot of marketing muscle. They've kind of let yep. that go, right? And then you say to them, okay, here's the, like, just say $8,000, like you said before. $8,000 and they're like, what? $8,000, but they don't realize they've been writing off 20, 30, 40%. Exactly. Anyway. So it's, it's way it's, cheaper. You it's have actually that. way, Ooh. it's way cheaper. Yeah, it's way cheaper yeah. to market new patients in than it is to pay insurance to get your new patients. For sure. So do you have to, like, are you training your team on how to handle that objection from a dentist? Because that's, that's, I hear this all the time. I don't, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not ready. Yeah. Because they're, them, they're afraid probably, to ask. Yeah. You're probably not. And you're, we're not the right people to be talking to. So those, those kind of dentists yeah. don't even make it inside of our company. They, they, they get stopped right at the front door because we are, we're a growth partner. So what that means is, is mm -hmm. that when the people meet us, if there's like, oh, I just want to edit my website or, you know, I want to, 
I'm thinking about changing dropping insurances or thinking about doing this. It's like, okay, so you haven't even thought through how you're going to grow. Once you get these new patients, you haven't hired the associate, you haven't added the new location. You haven't even thought through that yet, or haven't looked at your budgets for that. You're, you're a ways out from being us being able to help you. We need you. The people that do really well with us have, okay, I know I have to hire a new associate in the next four months. I'm going to find that person. I need 40 new patients to feed them. That means I'm going to have to get another hygienist as well. That's going to eat this up. And then next year, mm -hmm. we're going to be adding another location. Those are the kind of dentists that we work with. We don't, we are like a grenade trying to kill an ant for somebody who's just like, <laughs> you know, if I can just, if I can just eke out a couple more years and just make something, you know, this much more money or yeah. just keep my cost this much more, which is a lot of dentists out there that we're the wrong, we're the wrong people to work with. So you and I met in person at Dykema, even though we connected before then. Um, we met in person at Dykema and Dykema is all about DSOs and group practices and all of that. Um, talk a little bit about the difference, and I know we're coming up on time and then we'll round out, but talk a little bit about the difference in how a DSO handles marketing versus a, a smaller group, a large DSO versus a smaller group. Um, do they take it in-house quicker? Do they, do they not take it in-house? Is there, have you noticed any trends, I guess I should say, um, any characteristics of those two markets? Yes. So I would say the main, the main thing is, is that people who are at the DSO level have to rely more on data because they're not at the office. So then they're much more data driven and uh, thinking that way, where a single dentist at a single location is operating much more on filling. Um, and rightfully so. When you have one mm. location, you can do that. The problem that you run into when you get to like two locations or three locations. So I know there's people out there, I hate DSOs or DSOs are evil, whatever. I'm just going to make it really simple for everybody. If you're a single dentist, then you're a, then and you're just by yourself with just you and your team, get it. The second you hire an associate, you are a DSO. You're a dental service organization. You are serving another dentist. Second mm -hmm. you hire that, whether you like it or not, whether you're legally structured or not, that's not my job, but you are servicing other dentists now. And so once that happens, things begin to change and you need information because you're not the one treating those patients as another dentist. So you need information to know, are they successful or are they not? So, um, yeah, so that's how I think of it. And whether you're doing, you're a single location with three associates or you're a, a, a dentist that owns three or four locations, at that point, you can't operate on filling anymore. You have to have data. Right, right. And that's a big shift for a lot of dentists. So, all right. Well, um, Gary, we have to do this again. We have to do a part duh and do this again <laughs> and uh, tell people how they can find you. So my name is Gary Bird. So all of my social media handles are the Gary Bird and our company name is smcnational.com. And if you go to either of those places, you can reach out to me. Happy to have a conversation with you or our team is happy to have a conversation with you. I just talk about dental all day. So that's that's what I love to do. And so happy to have conversations and check out our podcast. Dental Marketing Theory has a lot of listeners and provides a lot of value. We have several other podcasts that we do, but that's probably our biggest one and probably most applicable to your audience. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you being on here. And dear listeners, you know, I always appreciate all the time that you spend with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn. 